weekend is here, so for a change, we're going to have a nice relaxing recording session. Welcome to Hamlet Pod. and uh, it's now Friday evening um, and so as such rather than the, the very hectic tightly run um, orderly recording sessions that we normally have for Hand of Pod we've decided to kick back and just for a change pour ourselves a couple of glasses of Fennet uh, and enjoy the start of the weekend we are going to be unfortunately unable to competently preview the whole of the second round because some of it's going to have been played before this gets online but anyway I'm Sam Kelly, sitting just across the table from me here in Australian Dan's plush bachelor pad, ah, Australian Dan himself. Hello. And English Dan. Good evening. Um, Seba, unfortunately for the second week in a row, sends his uh, spiritual guidance to us in the ether, but uh, is unable to make it due to various technical complications, apparently if you flush a hard drive down the toilet you lose most of its contents and it won't end up in France either no and uh, it makes it more difficult to send to France any listeners in France of which we don't think we have any at all will soon <laughs> enough find out what we're talking about <laughs> uh, if not then just possibly <laughs> Seba hopes it's soon enough but it doesn't seem to be going no too swimming at the moment no so. precisely um, anyway the, the torneo Apertura Clausura has, has now kicked off. Crucero Belgrano, please. Yeah, sorry, you're quite right. The, the, the torneo Clausura Crucero Manuel Belgrano um, has now kicked off here in Argentina with a sort of interesting-ish first round, perhaps enlightening, perhaps it's uh, spoiled the hopes and illusions of one or two of the teams who didn't do so well in the Apertura already. What are we going to pick out to talk about first guys we've got a lot to sort of get through on the pitch and also various stuff that's happened since the round off the pitch which we'll come to in a little while shall we do something slightly different and just quickly run through all the results of the first round in a moment we'll because I put a question out on Twitter about what people thought uh, as I said we're into um, premature speculation here on the hand of pod very much so uh, so we put the question out as to what People thought, uh, or who, who they thought would be the favourite, say. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm, uh, so I'm just going to giggle at premature speculation because <laughs> yeah. I'm it's actually a, an eight year old. <laughs> yeah, it is a problem we have here. Yeah. yeah I think um, you can take a pill for it these days. <laughs> I think so, yeah. yeah. Doesn't Pele endorse them? I think that's different. Oh, that's a different pill, yeah. yeah. No. Um, Alright, so quickly let's go through the, the results and then we'll talk about what they mean and who's going to win the, the, the title. Okay, so you have Boca beat Olimpo 2-0, Lanús beat San Lorenzo 4-1. Both of those were on Friday night. Belgrano, All Boys was 0-0, Estudiantes Newells was 1-1, San Martín de San Juan beat Independiente 1-0. Those were all on Saturday, and then on Sunday we had... Rafaela beat Banfield 3-0, Vélez and Godoy Cruz drew 1-0, Racing Tigre drew 0-0, Argentinos Union drew 0-0. And then on Monday night to finish off the round... Colón, Arsenal, the... No, I'm not going to say anything dirty. Uh, they drew nil all. Um, yes, indeed they did. <laughs> so, what what this leaves the league table at? No, we won't do that. Yeah, it's really silly to do it after. <laughs> <laughs> it's still a bit. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. We're going to predict the We're not going to talk about the table. Yeah, no. Lanús and Rafaela joint top. Lanús on golf scored. Let's important point at this stage, of course. Dan, I, I believe you asked some of your Twitter followers. Yeah, so let's see. Just thereafter, so. see what um, people think that <coughs> one week of matches can indicate so far. I asked people who they thought were the, was the favourite for the title now. Cillian Shields said uh, Estudiantes. With a funny face. With a funny face. I think that's a smiley face wearing sunglasses. Yeah. Uh, Either that or it says Estudiantes B hyphen bracket, so you might suggest that they're going down. Yeah, I'm not sure. They're fairly safe in the relegation. Or is it that? Else? <laughs> or did he give them a B minus for their first week? Yeah, B minus. Prizes? Yep. We're not sure. Uh, and then Elpida said uh, Boca 
Falcioni can scare everyone to death. We'll come on to Falcioni a bit later, of course. Paul Patrick uh, said, the dramas with Raquel May can be contained. I think Boca can... If the dramas with Raquel May can be contained, I think Boca can pull off the two in a row and reach semis of the Libertadores. We can probably say he's a Boca fan. Javier Perez, 108, who we mentioned last week as well, I think. Uh, he said, I think Independiente will come good soon. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And we'll be up there with Boca, Vélez, and Tigre. And Sergio Santomé says he likes Racing's chances. <laughs> good man. We've got good one man. answer. We've we got one sensible person uh, within all yeah. that stuff. The reason that, that I laughed at that was that uh, Racing against Tigre was... All three of us were at the match. Mm-hmm. All three of us were there, yep. And it was one of the two matches that uh, myself and Australian Dan attended. Of those two matches, Lanús v San Lorenzo was the other. I think it's fair to say that Racing were the less impressive of the two home sides. Um, they were. They were, would be putting it they were dire, weren't, weren't they, Dan? I think you two are getting far, far ahead of yourselves. I think right? we can write them off. I've, no, I think so, so you, you two are being you, almost you think, ridiculously premature. Well, hang on, all I'm saying is that Racing were less impressive than Lanús. You dispute that, do you, Dan? I was disputing what Dan was saying. Okay. Well, they, you two. Yeah, I just want, yeah. Well, I think... From what we were talking about before we went on air, I think there's a lot of anti-racing negativity. I think a lot of it's to do with the fact I haven't got my ally here. You know, we'd like to back each other but up. You admit that was absolutely It was not an impressive. Yeah, it wasn't an it was impressive than last performance year. in any way. But Tigre, I thought we're unlucky. Yeah, to but I think we have to mitigate it. Like Tigre, they're not an idiot team. They finished very well last year. Mm-hmm. They're fighting for their lives. Every point counts, and they really did set up well. They set up strong, put a lot of men behind the ball. And Racing, you know, it's the first game with their new coach. I know most of the players are there, but they're trying to bring in a new style of play and there's a lot of different going, going around the the squad. Yeah, but They weren't impressive. Say, in that first game, they weren't impressive. No, they I can't say, but... You I, say, like, Tigre put men behind the ball. Aside from that, they just controlled possessions better. They did everything better. They had a nice, solid setup. They had a fantastic chance for in at the end, <clears> which... Um, the number 25 who came on his name I've forgotten again but he's about yeah. the size of an 8 year old child oh, he's <laughs> the smallest man yeah. Yeah. Um, he's a little guy the smallest man in Argentine football yeah. which is saying a lot mm-hmm. um, oh, but we'll see that talk to me again five games in oh, rather like they couldn't string two passes together the whole idea of like bringing in Basilio was that yeah. they were going to be more attacking more more fluid yeah. they, they looked but this is worse fir- than, this is first game. Worse than Simeone in, in, yeah. in any other team. You, like, any other team, you guys will be saying, oh, no, you've got to give it. T- you've got to give them time. You know, they need to learn the system. But I think five games in. If well, you, you know, the league, three minutes in seventeen game. games. Uh, if you spend five games learning how to defend set pieces, that's the league gone. I mean, I'm, I'm just writing them off as champions. Uh, I mean, maybe they'll, you know. No, um, they'll, they'll I'm not going to say they'll finish champions, but I think it's far too early to write them off. I I agree that it's it's very early to judge, even if that's exactly what myself and Dan are doing <laughs> because we enjoy it. Um, but I do also agree with with what Dan's saying about the, the, from the championship point of view as well. I don't think we can consider them contenders. Having said that, with, yeah. with Lanus's, Lanus's I'm on the verge of tears. I know you, this is uh, this is audio, not video, but I'm on the verge of tears, holding a knife, and about uh, we can get a photo of Dan's tears. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lanus. Meanwhile, was the other game that we went to see on Friday night. They won four one against San Lorenzo. Um, Lanus did look good going forward. They followed it up. This happened a few days after Lanús went out of the Copa Argentina on penalties to Barracas. Thank you very much, Australian Dan, to Barracas Central, um, who of the third division, I think, or possibly the fourth even. Um, so they looked very determined and, and really had to do something and did. And then they followed it up again. Uh, just It was two nights ago, wasn't it? It was on Wednesday night. Um, in the Copa Libertadores with a 1-1 draw against Flamengo uh, who included Ronaldinho in their team and who frankly were lucky to escape from Lanús with a point um, so Lanús have, have started the, the league strongly at least since going out to Copa but I have to say I think the thing that I took away from that more than, than them being good was that San Lorenzo were shocking yeah. uh, <clears throat> they really need to hit the ground running if they're going to get anywhere near like out of the relegation zone and I yeah they could they be in to, real real trouble and the other thing that I noticed was that after the full time whistle um, the, the body language of the players they, they would walk you off with their heads slumped they looked like they've already you know they, they don't look up for this new season mm-hmm. up for the challenge um, it, they're in a similar situation to River in many ways 
uh, but River at least managed to keep the fight going until what a month and a half, two months from the mm. end of the season. Well, I remember they had quite a good season. Last saw it well. Yeah. Um, um, well, as Agostino Leno's friend said, uh, or nicknames him San San Descenso, as in Saint Relegation. Um, <laughs> and, and that game was a case of basically both of them started off fairly scrappily, being the first game of the, of the season and everything. Um, uh, but Lanus were that. I mean, sorry, San Lorenzo were that bad that. Lanus were able to take charge of the game and their their lovely midfield which we always talk about and but they actually had like several people missing mm. in Camoronese, Pisaro who who came back from, from Italy yeah. to and I guess he'll work his way back into the first he, team. He played this the second half. He I came think, on I as think a he started on Wednesday <coughs> against Flamengo. No, I don't think he did, yeah. hundred percent sure. He definitely played a couple of minutes. Mm. I'm not sure that he did actually. Mm. I, think he, I think he's being sort of reintroduced into the team. The question um, is though for me is that we know that Lanús are a very good team. They they knock the ball around well, and they've started, you know, apart from the Copa Argentina, with two brilliant results. But the question is, going forward with the Campeonato and the, the Libertadores, can they keep it up? Can they play that good a game twice twice a week? In my opinion, I don't think they don't have from, the depth for me. From what we saw on Friday, at least, even if they remain free of injury and suspension, I don't think they'll win the league because one thing that happened during the second half, uh, for sure was that they gave the ball away coming out of defence yeah. too many times. Uh, that that could have been first game rustiness mm. and nerves. Um, it could have been, and you're quite right, Dan Pizarro didn't start. I don't think he came off the bench either, actually. Well done. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that could have been been rustiness, but particularly coming forth from the full-back positions, the full-backs were coming in and then trying to sort of pass to the deep-line midfielder. And San Lorenzo picked it up that way and, and went on a counter-attack at least yeah. three or four mm. times in the second half. It was really sloppy. Um, the kind of thing that you would expect to be cut out fairly early on in the season, particularly with um, with their new player. I'm now going to bring up this again to remind myself of his name, uh, Diego. Uh, he's not on that. Oh, bloody hell. The, the right-back guy that they've signed. Um, who played in the league? Bear with us, listeners. I'll be right with you. It was Diaz, sorry, uh, uh, Gaston Diaz. Diaz from Venice. The, the new arrival. I mean, he, he gave the ball away a few times, so you'd have to think that they can cut it out. But based on that, they're not going to win the championship by making daft mistakes. And 4 1 against San Lorenzo isn't the same as 4 1 against mm-hmm. you know a number of other sides in, in this division. Um, other contenders, gentlemen. We've talked about the games that we actually saw live now, obviously due to seeing those games live and a load of games kicking off all at the same time. That means we missed quite a lot as well. Well, I saw a couple of games on the Saturday now, think about it, but neither of those four teams I can see being contenders from what I saw, which was um, Estudiantes drawing with News and San Martin beating Independiente 1-0. Is it not a little early to say they can't be contenders, Dan, and we're not judging them slightly too? Yeah... Do any of you think they're going to be contenders? <laughs> I'm merely accusing you of the same thing you accused me of Australian town of a minute ago. <laughs> now, I've got to say, what do we have there? I was impressed by Newell's, actually. Yeah. They were much, much better. Like They went one down fairly early after a pretty pretty soft penalty. One by, well, converted by Maraboselli. And then, yeah, like previously we've seen some really awful Newell's teams where their heads just go down and... Mm. They didn't do anything, but I think they've got Martino now, and it was pretty much a Mighty Ducks-esque comeback. <laughs> Martino, you know, screaming from the sidelines, almost getting sent off, and they just kept like pushing men forward. Quite a young team as well. He quite, was, yeah, young. After the game, I, yeah. I, I didn't actually catch the game because I was watching Belgrano All Boys, which was at the same time. That was um, a poor decision. It, Very it poor was, decision. Well, it wasn't as bad a game as I saw a lot of people yeah. saying, but it was. Uh, I don't think it was as good as the studio and just Newell's from yeah. what I've read about that. But yeah, um, Newell's didn't look didn't look half bad. Like yeah. you can't complain, you know. Studiantes are always down for a win in Dan's book, so mm-hmm. if you can get any sort of result with them, especially in uh, Ciudad La Plata, it's not a bad not a bad result. I think they'd be happy with a draw, and I don't know if they would be pushing on for the championship. I think this year's going to be a uh, year of consolidation and maybe looking yeah. for that top half finish a top six finish maybe as I say they're not really in any danger of relegation so all no. we've got to do at the moment is just not it's a case of building up points not completely. Yeah. but then again it is you're talking about Estudiantes right it I'm is. talking about news oh sorry yeah 
Estudiantes. I'm oh, sorry, I was talking about Estudiantes when I said that just now, but the same yeah. applies to New York. New And Estudiantes, I think you can probably say the same kind of thing. They had an awful 2011, yeah. we've just finished. Um, but they've still got <laughs> some very quality players in the team. Um, Legata Fernandez, Verón, and the one Buseri. thing that I would say with them, having seen highlights of the match afterwards and having read a couple of match reports of it, is that when Verón left the pitch, from what I read, they yeah, completely yeah. fell fell away as a team. Yeah, um, he really just drives the team. It's yeah. not so much they fell apart; they just looked a little bit more disinterested. I guess it's it's on the one hand a huge bonus for them that they've got one of the best midfielders in the league, if not mm. the continent, um, playing for them. But on the other hand, it's not very promising for them the fact that he's thirty five, no. thirty six, thirty seven, and is struggling to play. Yeah, uh, I mean, of course he was going to retire at the end of last year. Yeah, but he didn't. And they all looked older. Sam's indignant at the idea that Verón yeah. would Couldn't pack it in so he just spilled the net all over the table yeah I think that's the thing we, we all saw how desperate they were at the end of last year to keep him playing even if it's for six months mm. and you know his body's <clears throat> aching and screaming out for less punishment and you can see why they were so desperate because uh, Estudiantes with Verón and Estudiantes without Verón are two very very different beasts then again, if they were lacking any motivation to win the league, uh, his his very last season for the club is going to you know, give him that, at least. Yeah, true. Uh, but, but yeah, well, it, we, it is kind of disruptive if he's playing half a game and then having to come off. Yeah, it's going to be hard for him to, um, hard for Estudiantes to sustain form over 19 games if if we're saying that Veron can only play half of them and then, you know, he can pick up he's very capable of picking up a knot which is going to keep him out for another three weeks mm. I think yeah if we all agree that if Ferran's not on the pitch his studiantes aren't going to do anything special then, then they'll be mid-table we can say that really. yeah mid-table is, is which, on the cards which would be an improvement on what they managed in the upper tour yeah. of course um, and then the other game I saw um, another grande independiente <laughs> since we've talked about uh, San Lorenzo and Racing we've criticised Racing but Independiente really were they it's maybe slightly unlucky to, to lose but they really were not very good they were really time. really un, unimpressive yeah it, you know it pains me to say it but and, and in their own really words well, San Martin although I've said Independiente were unlucky to lose it's not really to suggest that San Martin didn't deserve the win they, no they they had yeah. not too many chances but they took the one that they that really came their way and, um, and that was all they needed and when you yeah. you know, when you've got Saul Laverne uh, refereeing you against a big five club <laughs> yeah you need all the help yeah and Velez got a cruise I, I think I only saw highlights of that game but um Two clubs who probably have a top five finish in mind, if not if not higher. Yeah. Uh, and I think I might have predicted that as a draw last week, thinking that they'd both sort of cancel each other out. Um, I don't know. Did you see that one, Dan? Or? Um, that was happening at the same time as Racing. Oh, but I heard from my my Vélez supporting friend after the game that Vélez could have won six 0 They had seven brilliant penalty appeals turned down. Oh no! Five five from goals. Yeah. Terribly unlucky. So it sounds like yeah. Vélez were very unlucky. Yeah. Uh, one, one I wouldn't that, put much stock in that opinion. Uh, yeah. <laughs> one thing that, opinion. that I, I also heard after that match, obviously we were at the Racing game as well, um, was that Godoy Cruz actually defended, which is something that they right. didn't bother doing at all, haven't yeah. really bothered doing at all for the last two years. Which they, is interesting. They've been yeah. both the highest scorers and the worst, uh, well, the, the, the highest conceders, let's say, as yeah. well, in, in the first division for pretty much two years now. Yeah. But from what I heard the other night, they're. Um, their defensive display to, to keep Vélez out was yeah. was really kind of disciplined and, and at times last gasp but mm. effective as well so that but if, yeah. if that is course, an example yeah. of them yeah. kind of, well, of course on Thursday in the, in the Copa they get yeah. a clean sheet against Peñarol 1-1-0 and, and so got think, revenge yeah. for Peñarol beat them twice in last year's Libertadores group exactly. stage so that, that yeah. was some measure of revenge for them yeah. as well. I think it'll be a lot to do with the coach I mean they've got um, yeah. Neri Pompido who's you know, as a goalkeeper in his playing days, and goalkeepers tend to make more kind of conservative defensive coaches. If we can make wild generalisations, do you reckon? I reckon. No, that's an interesting <coughs> yeah. point, maybe for a future podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so just think thinking of Fasciani off the top yeah. of my head, and well, I think La Volpe is not particularly. I, I want, and I think as well, it's an interesting because you know, there are probably as many as a proportion Argentine managers who used to be goalkeepers yeah. any other nationality that's almost disproportionately um, high so if anybody can think of any attack minded hmm. 
managers who used to be goalkeepers. They don't have to be Argentine necessarily. We'll just use it as a sort of springboard. Uh, please let us know between now and the next hand of pod, which will be in about a week and a half's time, and we'll see whether we can uh, yeah. turn that into some kind of thing that's actually worthy of talking about for 20 minutes. <laughs> But until that time, we'll just go with my wild generalisation. Yeah. Goalkeepers make very, yeah. very conservative, strong defensive coaches. So well, that could be a very interesting prospect for Godoy Cruz then. If they've got a bit more of a solid setup this year, I mean, we've always mm-hmm. talked about how exciting they are, but they do concede a lot of goals. Yeah. Uh, if they can sort of uh, eke out a few wins, Boca style, uh, through this tournament, we, we, might, uh, we might see them right up the top of the table. Yeah. And what about Boca? Uh, let, let's deal with what happened on the pitch last Friday, first of all. A 2-0 win against Olimpo. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we didn't catch it, English done, did you? I didn't, know, But I did catch... professional setup yeah. that we run a <laughs> But on. I did catch their game, which happened, I believe, two days before, which was an almost fantastic uh, defeat was, yeah. in the Copa Argentina against um, the mighty Santa Marina of Tandil. And as as it really was, out so, yeah. and, I mean, they, they drew and then went through... On yeah. penalties, but, but they started to go down, and they were go down for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And, and even being a being a River fan, and obviously having hope the whole time that they were going to go out, I have to say it was a really entertaining match. Yeah. Even taking out the fact that there was this sort of chance throughout that Boca would actually go yeah. out to the copper, and that um, seems to have started off a bit of a chain reaction in Boca because yeah. there's always been rumblings that Falcioni doesn't particularly get on with a lot of the, the members of the playing staff, especially uh, Riquelme and I think this game where they squeaked through very very narrowly against Santa Marina started these kind of rumblings of discontent again they won against Olimpo and from everything I've heard they won and they didn't do much else than winning well yeah Olimpo definitely put up a yeah. uh, very spirited resistance in the first half at least that, yeah. and, and Olimpo certainly didn't expect anything from, from no. that game as they said afterwards but they were all all of the players and the manager were all really happy with the performance that they put yeah. in and, and are looking forward to this coming weekend uh, where, where they're at home to Belgrano yeah. uh, with a lot of optimism after performing so well in La Bombonera. Yeah. And then, so following on from that, uh, Boca played in Venezuela midweek in the Copa. They had played against the team of Hugo Chavez's brother, yeah. which I think most people were expecting him to win, especially the Argentine press. They didn't. They went there and played... I think we can say it was a nil-nil which made the Racing Tigre look entertaining. <laughs> it was diabolical, absolutely diabolical. And then from there, all Thursday and most of Friday, it's just been you know, circulating around the Argentine news networks that they had a big bust-up in the dressing room afterwards and it carried on on the plane. I think there were crisis meetings on Thursday to decide if Falcioni was going to stay on. He did. But I believe After he had to make quite a grovelling apology to, uh, to Boca senior well, players. So, yeah, well, so yeah. There was the sort of the news that as they got on the plane, there was the news that Falcioni had quit. Um, yeah. And then there was this whole. It wave. came through first that he quit, and then it was that first it was going to be this meeting, and then that meeting, and yeah. And the, the, end, the whole yeah. time they were on the plane, everyone was sort of waiting for them to to, mm. to come off the plane and find out whether he'd quit or not. And yeah. Nobody said anything, and then they get one crisis meeting, another crisis meeting, which went on until yeah. sort of midnight, 1am. And it was a ridiculous kind of situation as well. Oh, well, yeah. Because the, the, the whole thing, you know, the, the reason that was given when he, he said he was, or, or when everybody said that he was quitting, and, and what was quite clear <laughs> from his attitude throughout the thing was that he had an argument with Juan Ramon Riquelme, and the board basically backed the fan favourite yeah. rather than the manager, which... On the one hand, you think is I mean, you'd have to be a brave board if you were at Boca, of all clubs, to, you know, maybe, as we've said previously, Veronica Estudiantes is the only real player who comes close to comparing now that Palermo's retired. Um, you'd have to be very brave to, to back uh, Falcioni in that yeah. situation, in terms of the fan backlash from him. But in terms of a footballing decision, it's not really, you know, Riquelmo's been... He's, he's still really good when he's playing, but he's been off his peak for a few years now. Uh, Falcioni is now 32 competitive games unbeaten. Yeah. Uh, he he yeah. won the league. He's, he's the best manager they've had in a very long time. Yeah. I think um, maybe the one. Then we have to look at this. We have to look at this more though from from an Argentine's perspective because you can think about in Europe, say, or in England, especially. You know, the coach or the manager's job is a lot more secure. You know, you don't get people leaving after after four four games or whatever happens here so I think that yeah on the other side of the Atlantic the coaches definitely have more power than 
coaches here. Coaches here are basically to pick the team. They don't really have any say in transfers and all this kind of thing. So oh, I realise that. Yeah. yeah. But so I think that makes a difference. But at the same yeah. time, you're not suggesting that Boca's recent success doesn't have anything to do with Falcao. No, not at all. And that, which is why I think you know. it's going to be very interesting what happens over yeah. the next few games because even just the you, fact that his authority has been challenged. Exactly. Now, even though he's staying in, yeah. it's still going to. It'll be interesting to yeah. see how they go. Well, I think perhaps one mitigating factor as to why they're, they're sort of making Falcioni apologise is that. I mean, it's his version of the story that, that it was Riquelme's fault, but uh, I think the way some people are telling it is that he, he substituted Svitanich, I think, during that game, and then Svitanich blew up, and or you know, got annoyed with him, and Falcioni said something like, you, you listen to me, not the number 10 mm. kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah I'm the one who... Yeah, yeah. So, and I think a lot of the other players were sort of saying, Riquelme has nothing to do with this, why do, why do you even mention him, and that's what... So, you know, if you look at one version of it, Falcioni was kind of bringing Raquel May into an argument yeah. which he had nothing to do with. But yeah, I've heard I similar things, yeah. But so I think that's hard to tell. But, yeah. It's going to be tough for Falcioni to bounce back from this, especially, I think, if we can just... They have this... And they've got Union, Union Which is not going to be not going to be an easy game. I think it's going to be very similar to what we saw in Venezuela, like tough team, compact, they don't give much weight at home. I was thinking, actually. Another, yeah, another yeah. draw, another really kind of tepid draw would really would put the pressure on him I, I think Boca are going to win that but I don't think it's going to be as easy as the sort of the previous fixture between those sides in the second round of the Apertura of course when Boca no, when you're now, yeah, when season matured experience a lot London, more yeah. now that they've had half a season in, in the Primera they've got more used to it Yeah. so um, I think that could be a crunch game if they can't get a win from that we could yeah. We could be seeing it would be an incredible thing to see a, a coach fired or or yeah. leaving his yeah. post after 33 games undefeated, even if it was a, a nil-nil draw or something. Absolutely. Um, Rafaela Banfield, I think, is one of the few games we've well, one of the few games with goals that we've not really uh, mentioned so far. Banfield are still on 11 points for the whole of 2011-2012. We're now into the second half of that season mm-hmm. they're in no danger at all apparently at the they are like, of relegation yeah. apparently they're getting sucked down but um, Let me see. well yeah I think they're still above on the base of yeah. the San Lorenzo are doing so dreadfully there yeah that'll save them um, I had this yeah, same conversation the other day was they're it? a point ahead of Racing at the moment but obviously Racing are in somewhat of a better situation yeah. in the current season but Banfield are going to lose, as, as we mentioned before, yeah. an enormous number of points uh, at the end of this season towards the relegation standings. Yeah. I mean, what you can say it, is that. Yeah. Just, but what you can say is if um, Union and All Boys have a very strong class order and, and Banfield repeat what they showed in the Apertura, mm. they could definitely get sucked in because obviously them two clubs' points are calculated over less time. Yeah. And that kind of. So I, I wouldn't say they're safe. They're, they should be safe, but I, I think given their form, yeah. Considering the number of clubs between them for the moment, and also they've got a couple of, who've played yeah. more matches than yours and Aston Allen, both yeah. played the same number of games in the down. Yeah. So I, I think. I'd say it's improbable, season, but not but impossible. Ne- but for so, next yeah. season, they're completely and totally screwed. Yeah. <laughs> and yes. yeah, I mean, they, they didn't get much help from the referee. Um, Dario Gandin scored twice for Atletico Rafaela, the second of which was from a interesting penalty, let's say. Um, Gandin always gets interesting penalties. Yeah. He's, he's scoring plenty though he, he, he was one of the top scorers in the upper door and he's got off the mark with, with two this weekend yeah. and Delfino getting sent off of course but, which was his own fault really um, Rafael off to a flying start again as they were in the upper door mm-hmm. when they also played Banfield it's, uh, it's amazing what, what an easy couple of fixtures can, yeah. can do at the start of the season for them um, but yeah I, I think Banfield are, are going to have to like San Lorenzo really they're not showing many signs of being able to pick up uh, and, and start off fresh this no. season uh, after a disappointing up at Dora although San Lorenzo are the, the team who are certainly in more immediate danger right now yeah. um, Argentinos Union anything to say about that one guys? no no I don't uh, feel uh, was just in crap as well we, we didn't see Argentinos Union but heard that it was fairly dull Colón Arsenal was um, I, I did watch that no I didn't watch that I was out with my parents <laughs> what am I talking about um but yeah, again, nil nil, nil nil, nil nil. Mm-hmm. The last three games of the not much you can say about any of those teams. Weekend. I think we talked about Cologne for a while last week. Yeah, and since I didn't see the game, I can't oh, I comment much. Fuertes Fuert got sent off actually after we were sort of saying last week what a fantastic old player he is for an yeah. old guy. Well, yeah, two he players, got a red card in the ninety-third minute, and Bastia got one in the I think eighty-ninth minute or something. Mm-hmm. What's it? Uh, 
Yeah, what's it? Um, oh, so you didn't. I, I think that must be a selling sent off. It's yeah. something you can pretty much put your money on if you start a match. <laughs> but uh, Fuertes red cards are well, it's not rare. They're not quite as common. Uh, yeah, they're not as common as they're not as common as they should be. To be honest, if you ever seen Fuertes play, yeah, he, is, yeah, he, he plays as his name. Tricky, yeah, tricky customer mode kind of yeah, yeah. player. Picante. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah. Apart from, there's not that much more to say about that first week no and, and we've kind of covered the, the teams in the Libertadores in midweek we've already yeah. mentioned Boca's 0-0 uh, draw Godoy Cruz's 1-0 win and, and Lanus's 1-1 draw as well and after um, we talked about the, briefly after we talked about uh, Bijar last week and he was the one who scored uh, for Godoy Cruz and quite right apparently yeah. had it. I didn't see it I just saw the highlights but apparently had a spectacular game yeah well mm-hmm. one jump dick off on Twitter will be absolutely overjoyed he will be. yeah I'm wondering what to what to cover next, guys. I wasn't expecting to get through the whole of the first round. Why don't we take a Why don't we take a little oh, break? Actually, I'd, I'd just like to before oh, we do read what's that, got under his under his belt here. And I'd just like to. Oh, he's going to throw something out. It's certain. This is a surprise even to us because you know that last last year was was seen by most fans of Argentina as uh, I, I, I use this phrase because we have the the five single grandness, the big five here in Argentina. And, you know, there's this sort of. Obviously, the the two who you've everybody has has heard of abroad. Let's say the, the giant two or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, last season was seen as a as a year of contrasting fortunes for them, with Boca winning a title undefeated six months after River had been relegated for the first time. But uh, so I'd, I'd just like to point out that in in the week that Boca almost said goodbye to an unbeaten manager, River went top of the. Their division again. Mm, they're, they're back to where they're used to looking at the world from from the top of the second division of, of, of the division. We can say that, or we could say they're twenty first in Argentine football. Um, Either way, but uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and I think that that's at least as big a contrast as as what we saw in to, over the whole course of two thousand and eleven. Yes, you've certainly so I think got your own back, haven't you? Exactly. Yeah. I wanted to ask you something, Sam. Actually, given that we're um, and, uh, we're on a before, hot streak for Boca before you world. do ask me done since I occasionally make jokes like this on Twitter and then have people responding saying you can't be serious I'd just like to say I'm not being serious he is ask away yeah <laughs> I was going to say in this um, spectacular marvellous um, transcendental week for uh, for River and their mm. football I think there's a, there was another piece of news that you you must have been <laughs> singing and shouting from the rooftops about which was the latest Argentina squad and that it was a first call up for the for the foreign based team, the senior team we can say. Yeah. For one Eric Lamella. It's very interesting. Yeah. Um, Were you dancing in the streets of San Telmo about that news? No, I I raised an eyebrow. Um mm. but I hadn't really because I've been running around and trying to show my parents around Buenos Aires for the first time for this week, yeah. I, I didn't really sort of notice it. I did also notice that Hugo Campagnaro um mm. has got a first call up pizza. 31-year-old centre-back whose only previous Argentine club is Deportivo Moron who, now, uh, who are in the third division um, my ex-girlfriend's local club uh, which the is Morons I, we believe I yeah, yeah. Uh, hilariously my, my ex actually went to the University of Moron <laughs> which is spelt for those of you who are in English the same as the word Moron so you can imagine what their university sweaters look like very funny um, <laughs> and yeah he was, he was a local boy from there and uh, he's 31, he's played in Italy for something like 10 years. Yeah, he's been playing very well for the last couple of seasons as well. And yeah, it, it, for Napoli. Whilst yeah, it's well. maybe not as exciting as Sabella calling up, say, Facio, Musacchi or Fernandes, or for the same squad, it at least shows that he's starting to look at alternatives in the centre back position. Well, definitely, there's none of the old guard in that, in that squad at all, no, right, in no. terms of defence. So yeah. um, he's definitely thinking, and it's a perfect game to do it a friendly against Switzerland as well. Yeah, absolutely. The, they're unlikely to. And Lomella has been. I've seen a bit of him, and I've been yeah. keeping track a little bit. And he's been playing very, very well for Roma. Yeah, my workmates who are based in Italy have said that you know he's had his odd moments of inconsistency, and he's not you know been 100 percent every which single game, which is inevitable. He's a teenager, <laughs> but they've been incredibly impressed with how he's come in and yeah. adapted to Italian football. That's has Ricky Alvarez, of course. He's also, I think. Yeah, he had a very. He had a very kind yeah, of. He's not before. He's not in this squad. <laughs> Ricky. Yeah. Right, well, he's, he's been in yeah. previous squads, and both of them are having just amazing. So Alvarez is perhaps the more. Yeah. I, th- I think we all said when when we joined that Alvarez was 
was in the long run, Lamela was likely to prove slightly more impressive, but that we both thought they had what it took. But we weren't expecting either of them really to hit the ground running. Well, I think, well, they have, I, so I think we said at the time that Alvarez is probably the, the player that can make the most sort of impact yeah. in, in the short term. And I think Alvarez struggled at the start. You know, he had some pretty awful games for Inter. There was doubts. You know, he's not the quickest man on two legs, but I think he's more or less found his place in uh, Inter, and and now he's starting to starting to look a bit better. Yeah. Mm. We've got a question about Serie A as well, which we're going to come to in uh, a little while. But first of all, I'm going to play our listeners some music so that we can disguise the clinking of ice in glasses as we refill our uh, glasses. Drinks. Don't spill it this time, Sam. Overuse of the word glasses, I must say. There was a lot of glasses, yeah. Don't go away. to um, have a lot of background noise today, by the way, because there's somebody doing some kind of electric cable cutting immediately next to Australian Dance Flat, but they've very kindly um, stopped doing it pretty much as soon as we walked in the in, in the door to record. Either so. that or they just electrocuted themselves and we've been mm-hmm. horrifically nonchalant about it. Well, the power's still on, so yeah. I, think that's I, I, I quite like how in typically Argentine health and safety... Uh, style, they've got the cable just draped along at basically neck height uh, yes. across your corridor just outside. If you're very sort of short-sighted, you could walk into that and mm. kill yourself. But it uh, <laughs> doesn't seem to bother them at all. It's brilliant. Um, we, we've had a question, one question only, because uh, this, this week's podcast has been so bizarrely um, recorded time-wise. That's a very poorly constructed sentence, but I've already had a fern out on an empty stomach, so bear with me. It was from... Jack Rathborn, who on Twitter is FR Calcio Jack, without any spaces anyway. Um, and he's asking us, it's, it's a slightly involved question, but he's essentially asking us that Catania, the Italian club, who have an improbable number of Argentines, they appear to have taken it upon themselves to single handedly employ um, the majority of the Argentine diaspora in Europe who are not living in Barcelona. Um, uh, whereabouts would they finish in the Argentine Primera? Um, to help us to decide this, he's given us a list of the players that they've currently got. He's done who, very well, actually. I'm he has. Yeah. He, he actually he even sent us a formation in either a four-three-three or a four-two-three-one, but I didn't bother to to copy that down. No. Um, and Australian Dan isn't logged into my email, so we can't bring it up on the computer. Um, but the the players in any question. So are, this includes South Americans as well, not just strictly. Argentines. It includes a couple of, of of South Americans, but all of these guys here. If you obviously see, because Argentina is not Argentina. part of South America, as we no, all know from it, all, all of these guys down to here are Argentine, and just these two are from other right. countries in South America. So the players are the the first ones being the Argentines, uh, Nicolas Spoli, uh, who's formerly a Newell's player, Sergio Almiron, who's also a former Newell's player, Mario Paglialunga fantastic surname means something like pay for the lung I believe in Italian um, who likes to start <laughs> fights in the dressing room with the previous two because he's a Rosario Central ex-player uh, Mariano Isco formerly of Tigre Cristian Lama or Shama as they pronounce it Arsenal and San Lorenzo Gonzalo Bergesio who's played for what any number San Lorenzo Racing yeah. several others I think um Juan Pablo Carrizo, River, River Plate goalkeeper. Uh, Pablo Barrientos of San Lorenzo. Formerly Estudiantes as well. Yep, quite right. Uh, a couple who are now back on loan um, in Argentina. Mariano Anduja, the, the goalkeeper who's currently with Estudiantes. Um, Pablo Ledesma, who's just moved back to Boca Juniors on loan. Pablo Alvarez, who's played for Boca Estudiantes Central. Um, and when he wrote the email, at least Maxi Lopez was, was still a Catania player, although we're, I think we're going to exclude him from um, contention partly because he's now with Milan and partly because when he was in Argentina it was absolutely shocking um, there's also Adrian Ricciuti who I'd never heard of before this email that we got he's never played um, club football in Argentina but he's Argentine yeah. is Alejandro Gomez not there? Papu Gomez? 
He's mm. not on the list, but I think he should be. Yeah, yeah quite right. Yeah. Um, and Ex San Lorenzo played very well there. Yeah, and, and two fellow South Americans, uh, the uh, David Suazo uh, mm-hmm. and the magnificently named uh, Felipe Seymour. Uh, very good player as well. Universidad de Chile yeah. player. I don't know whether Universidad yeah, Católica. Oh really? Yeah. Okay, I, I, pretty. I, I'm not sure. That that might be me making my normal mistake, or it might have been a, a <laughs> slight mistake on. on Sam has some sort of a mental block about the two. Mm-hmm. Um, no, normally, I only do it when it's Lau and I get confused. But yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah I, I don't know whether you know, as somebody who covers South American football more yeah. widely, why nearly all Chilean players seem to have bizarrely English surnames. They're called Seymour, and there's this kid at the moment in the national in the Chilean national side. What's his name? He plays for. Universidad de Chile he was playing in the Libertadores the other night and he's got a completely English, Kevin Rathbone or something uh, Harbottle <laughs> Harbottle that's the one yeah Kevin Harbottle <laughs> I think he's Catholic <laughs> not sure where I got Rathbone <laughs> that was the name of the Basil question. Rathbone's name, yeah. I think that was who asked us the question Tom Rathbone Rathbone yeah, 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 that's, <laughs> there, there you go um yeah, yeah. Why do they want English names? If anybody can tell us why, why Chileans? Because the, the the former head of the Chilean FA also was called yeah. something or other. Main Nichols. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. yeah. Um, if anybody can tell us why this is, why, why Chilean uh, Anglo-Chileans seem to have a much higher standing, and and just to be far more of them, I suppose yeah. one of the answers is because there are fewer Chileans than there are Argentines. Um, yeah, it's. And, you know, I don't know. Maybe there must be just. Uh, High percentage of Anglo Chileans and Anglo Anglo Argentines, maybe. I mean, there's, there's should, been a couple. Should see Lagos about this. Yeah, I mean, there's been. Yeah. You know, there's been a couple in Argentine football. Obviously, like uh, Carlos McAllister is the. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, I'm not denying that they've existed Carlos in Argentina. But there seems to be loads of them in Chile. They are coming where it's all the Anglo Argentines that there are play cricket or rugby or polo. Or just try and keep their heads down and pretend that they've been Argentine for generations. Yeah, um, well, I've got to say none of them have quite a spectacular name like uh, the Atletico, Atletico Nacional striker Magnelli Torres. No, that's that's, that's for a first name. One fantastic. of the best names in yeah. in all of uh, world football. Um, but anyway, whereabouts would Catania finish in the league, guys? Dan, the Australian Dan, you were saying that they well, just Simeone when he, I think it was when he, I think it was in June last year when he left Catania. He, he said that Catania would would be fighting for the league title. So, and that kind of sparked this debate of yeah. at, at that time as to whether, say, this team full of ex Premier player, players would be at the top of the league where they'd be. For me, I, I actually think they would probably be fighting for the league. They'd be out there. I'm just wondering whether Simeone was trying to make a point about his own managerial, managerial ability and saying he was really good, or whether he was trying to make a point about the standard of the Argentine Primera. I happen to think he's probably not entirely wrong either. Yeah. Not, you know, but no, I, I Simeone we can probably... Yeah. Mile, but we can probably say that, since it's Simeone it was a little bit of the two. He yeah. loves to talk himself up and he loves to talk Argentina down. So. Yeah. Yeah, we can probably find the answer somewhere in the middle of them too. Absolutely. One, one thing I'm stunned by, obviously, as I said, Maxi Lopez, who we've, we have taken an executive, I say we, I mean I, I'm using the royal we, have taken an executive position to, uh, decision to exclude from this on the basis that he's, he's moved to Milan. Um, but it's the fact that he's now been both a Milan and a Barcelona player. He's played for two, yeah, course, yeah. I mean, obviously River as well, but outside Argentina, two of the biggest clubs in the world. And when he was playing for River, he really wasn't very... And even when he played for Barcelona, he wasn't actually very good. I think no, he was exciting. terrible for Barcelona, which is where he's... Yeah. he's I think oh, yeah. his, his, his level is about um, Catania-type level. He, yeah. he plays well for average... But, but he, he seems to have really... Uh, I mean, even prior to that, I think his, his last year at Catania has been where he's really seemed to hit the ground yeah. running. He's, um, he's 20... Well, he's nearly 28. He's a day older than me, so I know exactly how old he is. Um, and, and it seems he's been a bit of a slow burner. Well, he was all right for River. He, I mean, but he, he was he was fairly poor for River, except for one famous Super Classic right. goal, and it was as if he'd found Diego Maradona's boots somewhere in the in well, the. Well, that's all you need. You need one good yeah. Super Classic goal, and you get a exactly. transfer to like yeah. Higuain. You get a transfer to, to Real Madrid. So well, sure, yeah. but Higuain was was a good player. Apart, yeah, but he did, he wasn't that. He didn't do much for River, and then, I mean, he was no. very young, but he's, and he's proved that he is a good player. Yeah. But at the time, he scored two goals in a Super Classic goal. Yeah. That's a transfer to Europe. We, well, shouldn't, we shouldn't true. forget for Maxi though he has the negotiation skills of um, the lovely Wanda Nara behind him so yeah. I think with her fighting your corner anything's possible mm-hmm. you know, in those dark shadowy ballrooms and, he, and he's got even 
more lovely blonde flowing locks than she has as well. Well, he doesn't so, anymore. He's cut them off now. Yeah, he's pretty. Is he really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. he's got short hair. No, he's playing the other day. Yeah, he's got mid Oh, my worth. Well, he's finally yeah. got some sense then. Good. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. No, I would honestly. I mean, I, I think people here tend to overrate the league slightly uh, or overrate the local player slightly but I think when you see it's all bad. yeah, yeah. Uh, I think when you see somebody come back who do, hasn't done so well in, in Europe uh, I don't know examples of Balleri maybe somebody mm. like that mm. um, and they come back and they dominate again yeah um, well, that come out the other way if we take from that list um, Pablo Barrientos who I think struggled to break into Catania first time and he came back he went to Estudiantes online and he actually did very little in a pretty uninspiring Estudiantes team, but it doesn't always work that way. Like that's not we see a lot of players who come back and they they don't impress. Being disappointing in Europe and in Argentina <laughs> isn't really working the other way as such. <laughs> but I'm just wondering whether we can think of any now players who have been actually relatively understated in Argentina and who've moved to Europe and we've all thought, oh, that's a bit of a surprise. They picked him up and then it turned out to be really good. Um, Maxi Lopez going to both Barcelona and Milan, for instance. I think, yeah. Yeah. I think to some degree you could probably say um, Diego Melito, who was mm. good for Racing. Like, not I'm pretty sure Stella would strongly yeah. disagree with you if he was. He was yeah. always good for Racing, but he was never kind of out of this world. And then he went, you know, took a long time to find his feet in Europe, and now, you know, yeah. he's kind of, well, not so much, but say a year ago, two years ago, he was considered one of the best. Best trackers on the continent. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, there's definitely there's definitely people like that around. And what, how many others can we think? Of? No, I think in the, a lot of those cases, it's more a case of them going to Europe and developing their game. <laughs> yeah. Um, look at say Strike Attack, who yeah. who was quite <laughs> poor to start with, and he said that you know he he, he arrived and he thought he was a, a bit of a beast, and then he realised in the Premier League he's not. Everybody's yeah. six foot three. Yeah, uh, and so he's worked really hard at his his physical game. He's worked at his technique whatever he's done and now he's, he's doing quite well so I think the, the cases of where, where players arrive in Europe and then take a couple of years to bed in and then mm. sort of develop their game those are the ones who, who do improve yeah. but I can't think of many who I guess the fact that they're transferred to Europe means they've been they've usually doing well. that yeah. for some way yeah. yeah I guess even like say Ricky Alvarez I think it was a surprise to all of us that he was being linked with Ars- Arsenal oh, yeah. not Arsenal Arsenal <laughs> and um and went to Inter in the end. Uh, we, all, we we knew he was a good player, but we didn't yeah. think he was quite ready to, to yeah. slip into like. Top I think level. what Alvarez had behind him was, you can probably call it the YouTube factor that he'd scored a couple of really spectacular goals and done a few explosive things. <coughs> and I think you know, for as much as these European teams like to say, "Oh no, we've really scouted this guy through and done it all thoroughly," I think yeah. that a lot of it comes from these. Like, big right, that explains why he was transferred. But I yeah. mean, you wouldn't have called him. I mean, the fact that he's done well. Kind of is is a little bit surprising to me. I think like that he's yeah. the fact that he's sort of slipped straight. As, as I said earlier, the fact that both him and Lamela have really hit the ground running straight away and done as well as they have in their debut seasons. Um, yeah. Well, we always talked about Lamela's sort of we all knew arrogance or, or so. swagger and stuff. So I mean, that kind of can explain Lamela. Or he always yeah. seemed very mature. I wasn't surprised by Lamela. I must say, like, no, no. I always no. thought you know he looked very very good for River, even though you know he was yeah. in a sinking ship as you were. Um, yeah. and I think one player I've seen I haven't seen him as much as I'd like to because he's a player that I love to watch no matter what team he's in no matter what competition is um, Maxi Morales mm-hmm. and I think he started very well at Atlanta I think recently he's been on and off like hasn't made the team every every week possibly but I just love him and I hope that he really gets in because I think as a playmaker as, yeah. as everything like that if he can find his true form in Europe then he's a real option for the Argentina team he seemed to me to be I think he plays a lot more often for, for Atlanta Atalanta um, I wish he played for Atlanta <laughs> that would be fantastic um, he, he, he plays a lot more often for them than, than he doesn't he, he starts yeah. I think most weeks because I tend to check out the, the Serie A uh, starting lineups after each weekend for, for my blog but yeah I mean maybe one week out of every three the, yeah. the match reports or the highlights or whatever will show that he's had a really good game and for the other two weeks you don't really hear much about him but he's alongside Herman Benis who yeah. uh, obviously as another Avechanela boy uh, makes him feel very at home Denis can we, can we count him as one of these players who was well potentially well, he, he, he scored a fair few goals for Independiente um, yeah he was never he was always 
banging them in. But yeah, I mean, I think you're right. He, he never obviously stood out with the quality to to step up, and, and he actually is doing really well yeah. in Italy at the moment. I think a lot of the time as well the other thing that, that obviously comes into play here is which players have European passports and which ones are going to be slightly more tricky for European clubs to get and as a result sometimes you'll see a player move and you'll think why the hell has he gone there mm-hmm. and then you'll discover oh right he's got an Italian passport via his grandmother and this other bloke who's a far more obvious choice isn't eligible for an EU passport um, that can make a big difference at times unfortunately one person I've really been surprised about for all the wrong reasons is um, Enzo Perez because mm. I thought he was mm. absolutely fantastic for Estudiantes all the time yeah. he was there and he moved to Benfica and I thought brilliant transfer you know perfectly for him to be in and I think from what I've heard he had a few injuries in Portugal he never really got kind of continuity in the team but then yeah never made his mark fell out with the coaches you know stayed away missed training and now he's back in Estudiantes so I hope we haven't heard the last from him and in European football in this top level football because he's a player I love to see like he's complete got everything he's only what 25, 26 he's maybe he's 25 definitely, I think, yeah. he's not time, young definitely. but he's young enough that he can go back to Europe he can bounce again, back he's yeah. learned but he can you can think you probably think he'd only have one more chance at that like. yeah, yeah if probably. he didn't get it right the next chance then people would start asking questions absolutely um I think that it's now time to. Well, where do you guys? Where would you put? Where would you guys put Catania? I'd, I'd, I'd agree with you. I'd, I don't, as I said, I, I sort of tried to say and um, and got distracted. Uh, I don't think that they would run away with the league by any no. means. But they'd I be in the top think four, they'd be fighting, challenging yeah. for the title. Um, I think you could yeah. put them on the level of uh, Lanús or uh, Vélez. I'd put them on the level of uh, somewhere near Boca. I think I'd, I'd agree with Australian Dan personally. Um, the bottom of the table, but maybe that's. Okay. <laughs> we get to choose. Yeah, um, if we get to choose. Yeah. Not necessarily talking about how attractive and how how, how no. much we like to watch the team. Not of course, but just purely in terms of, of, yeah. of getting the results. Um, I think it's now time for us to all uh, don our uh, witches <coughs> hats that we've fashioned yeah. out of paper, especially for this occasion. Uh, watch the moon as it sets. Which means we're going to have to take a break by about an hour because yeah. it's only. Uh, we'll be back in 12 minutes. hours. Uh, sorry, the, the moon as it rises, I mean. <laughs> which, given the cloud here and the fact that it's only 7 in the evening, is, is difficult. Um, and play some music and, and we'll be back in a second. Flawless introduction. As always, thank you. Uh, we'll be back in a second for a sit down. The other two are mocking me ceaselessly for my fantastic introduction to Mystic Dan just now. They don't seem to get that I'm doing this deliberately to, uh-huh. to lull them into a false sense of security and make them feel like they're not the least intelligent people in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, Australian Dan, Mystic Dan. You didn't put my... I think I did quite well last week. And you didn't put them yeah, up I've the got, got to write them up. I think you were right. I, I've got them at home. Um, I think I would have got like five there, maybe six. Mm. But anyway, okay, uh, take away for this week. <laughs> Uh, Olimpo Belgrano, I've got as a draw. I've got uh, Vélez to beat Banfield uh, away. Uh, Newells to beat Argentinos. Um, Arsenal to draw with Rafaela. All Boys to lose at home to Colón. Uh, Independiente to lose at home to Lanús. Uh, San Lorenzo to lose at home to Estudiantes. Union and Boca, I've got him as a draw. And Godoy Cruz to beat Racing. And Tigre to beat San Martín. Dan is grinning. <laughs> You're going for like a, a, a draw and then Pansioni Pansioni to be sacked. Uh, uh, I don't know what they're going to do, but I, I, I can't see them sacking him. But I, I can see the, the, the turmoil of this week resulting in a not yeah. great performance from Boca. Mm. Is there any really outstanding looking uh, fixtures for either of you there? Obviously, Dan and I are. I'm going to be at Independiente against Lanús on Sunday. Um, and we should mention that I'm going to be at um, Gode Cruz Racing. Yes, uh, yeah, in, in that's why I was smiling because I, yeah. you know, I was just suggesting that you're going to travel 24 hours or something <laughs> to watch. It's a 24 hour, hour round trip, yeah. yeah. It's going to be pretty brutal. It, it's slightly irritating that we're not going to be able to record next week, actually, because English Dan could have been able to give us a, a couple of stories from the road. Uh, and it is a very long road between Buenos yeah. Aires and, and uh, Mendoza. Um, but maybe you can save those up for a couple of weeks time Dan I'll try I think we'll I'll remember as much if we do it a week later than if we did it 
if we did it two days later. So. I mean, nothing either way. Yeah, 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 let's say that, yeah. But for the result itself, look, I know Dan was grinning malevolently while he read that result out, but I can't argue. What I'd say is that that game has the potential to be very unpredictable. I think Racing Godoy Cruz games are usually are usually very exciting. I know last season Racing won 3-0, and I know Godoy Cruz, I think, have turned Racing over a couple of times in Mendoza. Mm-hmm. There's been a couple of 2 alls some 3-0s, some 3-1s. So I think what's safe to say is there's, there's going to be some goals. Uh, Racing, I think it will suit Racing that Godoy Cruz will, will be like right out in the attack as they always are and kind of really pushed uh, to get another victory. And also, you know... You're kind of contradicting what we said earlier about, about Godoy Cruz changing their... Well, just because they got a goalkeeper, I mean, they're still <laughs> they're the still same the thing. Side, yeah. yeah, they're still winning, and they're, but they're just not right. conceding as many. No, I agree with you. It, is, yeah. it should be a, a cracking game. And another, another thing that could be really key, because one thing that I... That, I think the fatigue, was, yeah, for Godoy is going to be... Yeah, well, that was one of, and, and, but also I was going to say that, that another thing that we saw from the first weekend, which I kind of forgot to mention at the start of the show, was that Sebastian Saka, who got a brilliant reception from Racing's fans for fairly obvious mm-hmm. reasons, only because saw them last year, um, who, who is their goalkeeper for, for new listeners and essentially was the whole of their defence last season, even though Simeone set them out to defend and nothing else. Um, was again superb. He, he, yeah. he showed every sign of having brought the form of the Apertura into the Clausura. Yeah. So if he can do that again against the team, as, and he's going to have to against Godoy Cruz, yeah. if you're as disorganised at the back as you were last weekend, yeah. um, then think, that gives yeah. Racing a chance at least. I think for this game coming, um, Basile's thinking of playing free at the back. <laughs> Sam, just... I don't know why yeah. so many Argentines... Winces in, in disgust. I think it's more because there's a couple of injuries and this will kind of mm. suit the players that are uh, available. I have to say, actually, that, that was one thing that I found. Um, Dan and I took a couple of guests on, on one of our football detours to the game and uh, one of them turned around to me at one point and said that the left-back was didn't really seem to know what he was doing and was... Uh, no, Matthias Cajais is not a natural left-back. Exactly, and that's what yeah. I told him. It, it, Lucas Licht was, it, yeah. is injured, isn't he? He's got a knock. He might be back for this weekend, I think. Doesn't probably, look like he will, probably which is why he's to change his scheme. Um, and yeah, so Matthias Cajais, who's normally a left centre-back, was having to, to play left-back and Racing did seem to lose a lot of, of that in fairness. Although... Leashed at the same time will sometimes give you a brilliant performance. Yeah, Leashed is Leashed is basically a headless chicken. He bombs and bombs and bombs down yeah, the left flank without. Sometimes. Yeah, but he just doesn't have much idea to do what to do with the ball once he actually gets to the final third. L- right. Listeners who aren't familiar with Lukas Leashed should perhaps imagine, let's say Juan Pablo Sorin, but somebody who's less professional and less organised in absolutely every aspect, Maybe apart like from the hair. Roberto yeah. Carlos, but. Without the shot, and I, the, I, the imagine Roberto. <laughs> imagine someone like Roberto Carlos who can't defend, and you've got Lucas Leached. Yeah, right. Well, Roberto Carlos can't defend. No, that's exactly my point. Right. He's worse at defending. Right. Than, right. You see. And also far well, worse. without a shot, and a, yeah, yeah. But Roberto Carlos can't, <laughs> can't take free kicks either. So no, that's true. Yeah. It's basically, yeah, that. Um, I think that game has the potential to be very exciting. That's the one I'd watch if I only had <laughs> to watch. Yeah, if I only had to watch one this weekend, which I probably will only be able to watch one this weekend. Apart from that, I think. It'll be well, very interesting to see how Independiente bounce back from losing the first weekend at home to Lanús, yeah. which not yeah, perhaps, perhaps uh, not to coincidentally to will be yeah that will be the game which my esteemed colleagues are at yeah and San Lorenzo Estudiantes it on paper it should be a great game but considering how especially <laughs> San Lorenzo are playing yeah and yeah and there's there's some interesting games there. Yeah, um, we should also just very quickly mention because, as everybody will know by the time this goes online, because partly because I said it at the very start of the show, <coughs> if you were listening, um, we're recording on Friday night, so we should just clarify that Olimpo versus Belgrano, which is the first game that Dan attempted to predict, is kicking off. We've not got the TV on, but just about now, if they're kicking off on time. Yeah. So none of these matches are being predicted by Dan, with the knowledge of what's already even no. happening one minute into them. Uh, he's done all of this completely blind, as mm-hmm. usual. Um, I think that's it guys I think we can leave for now not least because we've recorded for an hour and I don't want to do too much editing Um, and because we don't really have anything else to say next week or this coming week uh, whichever way you prefer to look at it there will be no hand of pod because I'm going to be at Cataratas del Iguazú with my parents um, from Tuesday till Saturday so if you want to rob my flat you now know where I'll be 
I can pass addresses by um, Twitter, direct messages, yeah. whatever. Just ask. Message Dan and I. Um, yeah. We will charge a commission, but yeah, if, or uh, we might just rob it ourselves. Uh, the the dictaphone that you will see on on the the desk is no, the, the pod dictaphone, dictaphone which yeah. is also yeah, which is also owned by English Dan. So please don't touch y- that. You can steal it with my blessing, but do if you're a hand of pod fan, bear in mind that that will be the end of the podcast. <laughs> Um, so please just take the laptop and also if you take the Kindle I'll rip your bollocks off if I find you because it's brand new Um, anyway English down swear bear Um, bye (laughs) I'm just scared by sound (laughs) outbursts I was planning to do this Kindle but now I might reconsider I'd advise you not to Uh, Australian done thank you for listening and good night yes and likewise from me have a good weekend everybody or we hope you're having a good weekend as you listen to this Um, and we'll see you again in a week and a half to two weeks. Bye for now. Ciao. We, we should also just... I'd, I'd like to belatedly... We're uh, starting again. No, no. <laughs> do we have to do this whole thing again because you forgot it was our 50th? Don't worry, I've not, I, did, I pressed record, not erase. I'm fairly sure I did anyway, wow. so... Um, we heard about five it. minutes after ending recording, I suddenly remembered something that we were meaning to celebrate right at the first of top of the episode um, today was the 50th episode of Hand of Pod so let's raise our glasses gentlemen and uh, here's to Clean at, least, at least 50 that more was good. thank you everybody for listening um, thank you. please tell your friends about us and goodbye and here's to 50 more